I did not want him to watch me suffer the way I watched my mother suffer. People might not think those two little beans are important, but they actually save your life. Podcasting for our health with NHS Blood and Transplant in association with Bristol African Caribbean Expo and BCFM Radio. Hosted by Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner and broadcaster and producer Pat Hart. I'm Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner, podcasting for our health. I didn't set out to do this. However, I am the daughter and sister of transplant recipients. I'm the mother of someone who may one day need a transplant. And I am a transplant recipient myself. Hi, I'm Pat Hart, a broadcaster of mostly South Asian background, and I'm partnering with Primrose to produce this series of podcasts. So let's introduce the accidental campaigner Primrose Granville. How are you feeling right now? The first ever podcast for our health. I'm very excited. I'm also a bit nervous, a bit apprehensive, but more than anything else, I'm excited and very, very happy. I think you said excited twice, but listen, um, don't worry about it. Today is really, really important. The day that we are launching this podcast. Why is that, Primrose? Well, the date is very important, Pat. On May 20th, 2020, the law on organ donation changed in England. It means that if people do not want to donate their organs post-death, then they must opt out of the system because the system now automatically opts you in for organ donation. That said, your family has the final word and makes the final decisions on what happens to your organs, whatever it is that you've done. If you've opted out, you automatically aren't considered for organ donation. But if you haven't done anything, or you have signed the organ donor register, your family makes the final decision. But today is the first year anniversary of the law change in England. It's a very special day for someone like me. Of course, and, and, and we'll talk throughout this series about you, Primrose, and your family and your experiences as well. And we'll also try and give some facts and figures as well. But one of the most startling facts is that those from global majority backgrounds will feel worse in terms of receiving an organ, uh, in terms of organ donation. And also those from global majority backgrounds, I think it would be true to say, have always been less likely to be a donor. Why do you think that's been, Prim? There are a number of reasons, Pat. There are cultural reasons. There are religious reasons. There are generational messages that disallow people from even engaging in the conversation. I'll give you a classic example. Mm. My grandfather never turned back to do anything. He said it's bad luck. I'm not superstitious in any way. I like black cats and ladders. And one day I left my phone at home and I drove around the corner from my house and I parked about two minutes away and I spent 10 minutes in my car thinking, if you turn back today, Armageddon's going to come. I spent the whole day looking for the falling meteor, looking for the accident, 
looking for anything that signaled Armageddon. It didn't happen. When I got home that evening, I hurried into my house, waiting for Armageddon to come. And I kid you not, I'm not superstitious in any way. And yet, that transgenerational message from my beloved grandfather sat with me all these years. Of course, for so many other thousands, if not millions of people around the world, then those stories, those old wives' tales, whatever we're going to call them, would have would have stopped people being involved in giving blood uh, and going on the organ donation register. So really, really important that we get information out there and that we talk to the right kinds of people. Let, let's talk about, Prem, our global majority background people and why it is that we're waiting and we're waiting for a transplant uh, and sometimes it will come too late other times it will never come you're you're absolutely right pat and i i will start this off with my mother's story my mother waited nearly 14 years for a kidney transplant for me that was absolute trauma when i heard that i had renal failure end stage renal failure I was going on the transplant list. I was hearing that that awful word, dialysis. I thought about my own child. I did not want him to watch me suffer the way I watched my mother suffer. And I, I don't know, I prayed, I meditated. I thought of all kinds of things, thinking, please don't ever let me go on dialysis. Let anything else happen, but don't let me go on dialysis. Dialysis was something that crippled me because of my mother's experience and the length of time she waited. So conditioned was I to wait forever that when they called me six months and one day after going on the transplant list, I told them they'd made an error. I said, you've got it wrong. It's too soon. Let's just rewind, Prim, because I know there are going to be people listening that probably know very little about transplant. They know little about dialysis. So so let me pick you up on some words and try and explain them in ways that people like me would understand. Let's start with renal failure. What is that? What does it mean? So renal failure or end-stage renal failure is when your kidneys decide, I'm not doing this job anymore. The kidneys are two little beans, as I call them, that do a lot of work inside our bodies. The kidneys get rid of every ounce of toxin that's in your blood. Those toxins can lead to all kinds of things, including heart failure, aneurysms, stroke, all kinds of things. So people might not think those two little beans are important, but they actually save your life. When you lose the use of your kidneys, Something's got to do the job for them. And is that just, is that where dialysis comes in, Primrose? Yes, that's where dialysis comes in. And let me break it down. It's a machine washing your blood, getting rid of the toxins for four hour, three to four hours each time. Often three to four times a week on a machine. If you're doing a, another type of dialysis, which is called peritoneal dialysis, dialysis you do it at home you put this little device in your stomach near the peritoneal gland and 
you do your dialysis through there up to four times a day at home. Whatever form of dialysis you choose, your life is completely interrupted. Podcasting for our health with NHS Blood and Transplant in association with Bristol African Caribbean Expo and BCFM Radio. Hosted by Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner and broadcaster and producer, Pat Hart. When we talk about organ transplant, organs, there are so many parts of somebody's body that can be used to transplant into another human being, aren't there? So de- depending on, on how you pass, you could save up to seven lives and impact several more through valves, skin grafts, lots of other things that you can do. Um, you know, one, one human could change the lives of up to 14 families. Gosh. And that's with transplantation and the use of other smaller body organs, your corneas, for example. I'm going to rewind back again. We spoke about, and you explained like really clearly about your fear of looking back or, or turning back and something that would have put you off the whole transplant thing. There are many people with different faiths, religions and, and other things that in the past have found it difficult to even contemplate going on the organ donor register. And I think you've spoken to somebody as well, haven't you, about their view on transplant? Well, we have spoken to Malik, who's also a part of this team. I will not tell you what his religion is, but Malik is very open about transplantation. And for most religions, I know that I've spoken to people from the Christian faith, the Hindu faith, the Islamic faith, Sikh faith, and they they all say, actually... There is nowhere in our holy books that tells us we shouldn't donate an organ. Most of the hesitance is down to messages. Now, I can tell you, as a Jamaican Christian-raised girl, you don't touch grandmother's body. No, she's sacred. Sometimes we don't even want to have post-mortems because we don't want her to cut. Hmm. It's, It's messages that are cultural these are not flippantly cultural messages they're deep serious and goes all the way back on the plantation during slavery for african heritage people death was the only time you owned your body every other time while you were alive your master owned you that is one of the reasons why the body is so sacred in African and African-Caribbean communities. So it is understandable then, isn't it, why this is the case. Shall we hear from Malik and get some kind of understanding of his thoughts? And as I say, Malik is part of the podcasting for our health team. I am Malik Mohammed, and I hail from the parish of Trelawney in Jamaica, now residing in the UK for many years. I am an empowerment strategies consultant, which means I help influence and inspire people to cultivate their visions. 
And the other thing I would share at this point in time with your, your listeners and with yourself is that my latest book, Coffee and Contemplations, is now available on Amazon. I also believe that I am a spirit living in a physical being. So I'm on a spiritual journey, and this is but the physical manifestation of that journey. That, in essence, is how I would describe myself in terms of who I am. My view on organ donation is that I am but a spirit in physical form. And so even though the body fails, the spirit is eternal. So if I'm able, therefore, to give a part of me in terms of an organ to, to help someone else, it's a good thing. I'm therefore in support of organ donation for that simple reason. You can impact someone's life in ways that you would never even imagine. And it's also a part of giving, passing on, and doing the right thing when you can. As human beings, it's important for us to always look out for our loved ones and give as part of the human experience. Anyone doubting the importance of organ donation, you don't have to wait until it happens to you or to a loved one. As I mentioned, we're spirits living in a physical being. And so when it comes to giving of ourselves, especially if it happens to be a loved one, as I was faced with that decision a few years ago, there is a joy in doing that. There's a selflessness in doing it. And it is also necessary. And frankly, one day it may be you or someone close to you. So I would encourage for that simple reason persons from my cultural background to be involved and to at least look at the research, be more informed, which is a, an essential reason why this podcast is so important. Podcasting for our health with NHS Blood and Transplant in association with Bristol African Caribbean Expo and BCFM Radio. Welcome back. I'm Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner, still in conversation with Pat Hart, one of the partners in podcasting for our health. So, Pat, you said earlier that you're mostly South Asian heritage. Tell me about your faith and what would your faith say about donation? Well, Prim, it's funny, isn't it? Labels are, are funny in general. And when I was asked to introduce myself, I said, you know, predominantly South Asian heritage. Both of my parents were born in what was then India, but now Pakistan. But if you ask them, my mum's passed, and if you asked her, she would always tell you she was born in India. We got English in our heritage as well, and, uh, and other bits as well. So Anglo-Indian was kind of that. I was brought up as a Catholic in a Catholic Christian family, friends of varying faith. So organ donation for me and blood donation almost came as natural. I remember as a kid watching and going with my dad, giving blood uh, and eating the biscuits. And they used to give them a cup of tea uh, and biscuits and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, when I, when I get older, I'm going to do that. He explained to me why he was giving blood. And from a very early age, he wanted to go on the organ donor register. So he registered, as did my mum. So from my perspective, my my, my family background was very, very kind of pro-organ donation. 
But I know friends and, uh, and and even family members of mine that would say, no one is touching my body. No one is going to touch, uh, you know, my mum's body when, when, when she passes. That is that. And so lots of mixed messages. And also a lot of ignorance about, oh, yeah, they're just going to cut her up and they're going to cut him up and et cetera, et cetera. So there, there, there's certainly a lot of ignorance and fear. But I was lucky that my dad educated me at a young age. Mm, that's 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 a very interesting perspective and and like you pat i have friends and family who sit on both sides of the coin yeah when i needed a kidney i had no less than four people wanting to come forward to be live donors on my behalf luckily i had a i had a kidney come from a deceased donor a very fit 20-year-old deceased female who's given me a kidney called Diamond Lily and all Diamond Lily does is fire shots. Does it help you to label your kidney, to give your kidney a name, also knowing that somebody has gifted you, I guess they've gifted you life? Uh, They certainly have. I do not know who my donor is. The time is not right to know yet. I have been in contact, but I don't know yet. Her name is Diamond Lily for two reasons. She's as tough as a diamond. Since having my transplant, I have had several different health issues, hospital admissions and lots of other things. And this girl has kept going. Mm. And I named her Diamond Lily from the beginning. I must have known how strong she was going to be. So Lily, if you have a lily flower in your house, it's often closed until it opens up. But when it opens up, it is the most beautiful sight and smell that you can behold. For me, this kidney was put in my body and she opened up and gave me the one thing I wanted not just life, but no dialysis. Mm. Which was something that you were really, really worried about. And almost, yeah, this this miracle happened and you got that call, Prim. Can I ask you, I mean, we're going to go back and forth during this series of podcasts with you and your stories. And of course, the story of your mum as well. But I want to take you back to Jamaica and find... The attitudes, I guess, you, you spoke a bit about your dad uh, and things that he said to you, but for those around you in terms of organ donation and transplants, tell us a bit more about your, your Jamaican heritage and, and views on donation. My views on donation, I've, I've always been a, a, a humanist, I would say. So I will do anything for anyone who's marginalised in any way. So my personal views... I've always been, if I can help somebody for one reason or another, I can do it. I've never quite established the views of my family members, but I will tell you a little bit about my experience. Sure. When I, when I was seven years old, I was picked up by my uncle, my mother and I, and we were taking to my aunt's house. I didn't see my mother for a while. Turned out it was three years. And I didn't know why, because Jamaicans don't talk their health business. It's nothing to do with you. So as her child, I didn't actually know 
what was wrong with my mom. She didn't know she had kidney disease. She was just sick. Mm. So I didn't know that my mother had polycystic kidney disease, which led to her renal failure, which she knew about from 1990. I never found out what she had until May 1997. Seven years. Seven whole years. And I found out, Pat, because that was when I was diagnosed as having polycystic kidney disease. Her consultant, who now became mine, Dr. Thompson, told me, you have polycystic kidney disease. And I said to him, is that what my mom's got? And he looked at me in shock. He said, you didn't know? No. All I ever heard may have the kidney sickness. That's all I ever heard. Never renal failure. Never anything else. Kidney sickness. What kind of diagnosis is that? Mm. Where do I go from there? I have no information. Prim, is the experience that you've been through, is that typical, do you think, of many people from global majority backgrounds where parents don't tell their children about their health problems? Um, from your experience, is, is that the case? That is the case. And that is the case for global majority Europeans, Asians, every single group that's represented on an ethnic chart from back in the day, you cannot ask grandma what that white tablet's for. (laughs) It's none of your business. Children don't ask those questions. For me and my son, it was a different story. I knew I had polycystic kidney disease when I got the news in 1997. I started my genealogy. I knew it was hereditary. I stalked the doctors at my son's hospital because he was under their care. I want the scan as confirmation. No, he's too young. Da, 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 da. When he had a urinary tract infection at nine, I said, okay, I want the scan next week. He's not meant to have a urinary tract infection at nine. Hmm. And as I sat in that room, I could see the little pinheads in his kidney and I knew. And from that day, he had all the information he needed. Mm. He knows healthy diet, no fizzy drinks. Be careful with the alcohol. Don't do any drugs, please. He's 22 years old. I can tell you, he tells me every day, I got loads of fizzy drinks, mom. (laughs) I'm not eating healthy. I drink beer. I promise you I'm not doing drugs. But by the time I'm 25, I'll stop. But he tells me. And sometimes he says to me, I don't have that last bear because you're in my head. But he knows. Prim, we're coming towards the end of this first episode. But do you know what? Hearing about you, your mum and your son, it's almost like you're, you're this in the middle person that was disadvantaged at the beginning because you didn't know and became aware because you forced the issue and now in a situation where you can guide your son to a healthier life but not only that you can guide others and advise others and inform others 
to help people like you, help people like your son and anybody that may have renal failure or may even be in need of a different type of transplant just by talking about it. Do you feel a sense of empowerment with the situation that you're in? I know there's disadvantage. I know that. Believe you me, I've heard the stories and we will learn more about what you've been through. But let's take the positive towards the end of this episode and tell me about a sense of empowerment if indeed you feel it. I've actually never felt like that. I have always felt you got work to do. You got to tell people stuff. And I believe that's why I got a kidney in six months and one day. It doesn't happen to black people. But now that you say that word, Pat, I probably am, but I'm so busy going from one campaign to the next that I haven't stopped to think, oh, you're doing something great. For me, it's necessary, but I guess it is great. And I guess somebody listening to this might think you're doing a great job. And people often say to me, you're doing a wonderful job, Prim. And I'm thinking, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm fixing things, but I guess I am. Well, Prim, you are fixing things and it's been fascinating getting an early insight into you and uh, how that label, the accidental campaigner, came about. You never did intend to be a campaigner in any shape or form, I guess, but you are now. And there's lots to look forward to in coming episodes of the Podcasting for Our Health series. What kind of things are we going to be talking about and, and, and what type of people are we going to be hearing from, Prim? We're going to be hearing from people who've had other forms of organ transplantation. We're going to be hearing about people who live with sickle cell disorder. We're going to be hearing from clinicians, researchers, scientists, people who are very much the backbone of educating our clinicians in universities we will hear from patient family members we'll hear from other people who have had transplants who are on it doing amazing things to raise the bar where this message of engagement and having conversations with your loved ones about this very very important thing many of us will accept an organ to save our lives many of us will not embrace the conversation that will enable us to save many, many more lives. It's time for us to change the narrative and start embracing the conversation from now. Podcasting for Our Health with NHS Blood and Transplant in association with Bristol African Caribbean Expo and BCFM Radio. Hosted by Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner and broadcaster and producer, Pat Hart.